0: Hey there, scribes and scribblers. Get your stylus stowed and stored. That's right. You're joining us here at the Nib Section, official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Joining me today, we have our fearless leader, Diana Dye. Welcome. Hello, Chuck. Uh, we have Tav. Uh, The Iron Grouch joining us once again. Hello. And generous benefactor, Sharon. Hello. Sharon. Okay. Uh, As always, my name is Chuck Montano. Um, We're going to introduce a few things today, but to start us off with is uh, what we are writing with section. I'll go first today. I I frequently don't. I have my Pilot Custom 823 in the transparent body uh, with a medium nib. But a two-tone uh, number 15 that's been transplanted from an 845. Anyway. Oh, so
1: that's an 18 carat.
0: Yes, yes it is. It is uh, a little a little stiffer than I remember the the 15 being, uh, but it's uh, very smooth and it's very nice. Uh, who would like to go next?
2: I'll go. Um, so I am riding with a Franklin Christoph Model 20. It's a special edition one, which I actually think is secretly a Franken-pen. Um, I.A. Franklin Christoph, had uh, extra spare parts, so it has a Coke bottle barrel, Um, it has a black cap and it has, I think it's called their Tiger Red grip section, so it's a mottled red grip section. Um, I don't actually own a Coke bottle pen, so this was my first of the Coke bottle finishes and I've always wanted one because I now have an Italian ice and Arctic ice, and I was missing the antique glass finish. So when I saw this on their special page, which, by the way, Franklin Christoph, if you're listening, can you bring back those um, – I mean, get rid of your lottery system because it's just getting really frustrating when I want a special edition pen.
3: They did do a really good explanation as to,
2: I as know, to why. I they, know, I know, because it's of the really time difference and stuff, but I just want to be able to go onto a
3: page and, and like, it, it's, buy a pen. It's really hard for them to make – Enough of those pens, I think. It, it, it takes a lot of man hours. For the
0: lottery system, I think the last one I saw, that, that one that you're talking about...
3: Was um, not lottery. This was one of the last ones that they did
0: which were not lottery. So the the ones after that, which was... It was a model that I didn't like, so I didn't bother with the lottery because um, I, I want a clip on my Just
2: mine. Put, put your name down and then sell it to me.
0: <laughs> it was... I think they made 100 pens and it was at least... Fourteen hundred, uh, if not fifteen hundred people entered there. there's the the margins are not that there. That fifty odd people aren't getting it. It's a significant amount of people. Uh, that and, want I, it. Yeah. And,
2: and I appreciate all of that. But before, what they used to do was they used to tell you this is when we're going to put the pen up on our page, and then you'd be able to buy it on the page at that particular time if they had stock. So you just have to check out fast enough. Whereas now. You're, you know, I don't mind being woken up at 4 a.m. in the morning just to have a shot at this, whereas now I've put myself into a lottery um, and there's a one in 1,400 chance, right? So, for me, I'd rather just hedge my bets on being able to get up at 4 a.m. and add stuff to my cart and check out fast enough with that certainty. And if I don't get it, well, then that's just because I clicked too slow.
3: Well, I think it's also because it might not necessarily be a time zone thing, but Perhaps some people might be working and they can't get a break at that time.
2: Tough luck. Tough luck.
3: Okay. I Tough just, luck. I, I, I see them as being very egalitarian with it. And it's whilst <sighs> it's an unpleasant type of egalitarianism, it's very fair.
2: Anyway, so this particular pen I did get, not through the lottery system, but when they put it on their stock room. And in my excitement, I accidentally added two of these to my cart and I just checked out. I didn't even care. Um, I sold the other one already. Oh. I sold the other one, but um, this particular pen has the Franklin Christoph flex nib on it, um, the 14K flex nib on it, and it's okay. It's an okay writing nib. I think it's more for the novelty than anything else.
0: It's a little soft.
2: It's, it's soft, but yeah, it's more for the novelty of it than anything else. I'm not a big fan of the Model 20 closure mechanism, but I like the design of the pen. I wish they had it with a screw cap. Um, or with the block threads that they do on a lot of their other pens. I really like yeah, their block I've, threading system.
3: I've got one of their O2s um, in in Coke bottle, and the threads are really handy. Yeah. The only thing I will say, actually, is, is you've, you've probably avoided the issue. My one in Coke bottle has a lot of crazing in the cap. The the plastic has got these little tiny micro fissures, and I was told it's a, it's a feature, not a bug. And apparently in the past people have been told it's a bug, not a feature, send it back. So, yeah, uh, ink ink can get caught in those little fissures. Uh, And now they've updated their description to say that it is a possible thing. Uh, But I don't know if every pen has it. So I get the feeling it is actually a bug, not a feature. If it
1: doesn't actually um, damage... well.
3: It does compromise
1: damage. the structural integrity of the pen. Then I, I don't, I don't think, think it, it does. It's a huge problem.
0: It's just an aesthetic issue. Yeah. Is I like the it transparency. It's more it. a factor that you need to consider. Yeah. yeah. So the last lottery there, I'm just on the stock room now. The last lottery they had was a 45L in Italian. I ice. know.
2: I put my name down yeah. for that. Yeah. So
0: that didn't was uh, 1,264 entries, and they had a hundred.
2: Yeah, I didn't win that one either.
0: Yeah. I mean, they did have an interesting one that looked like bacon. Recently. What? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, they, uh, they've they done it? that one. I didn't like it. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's it's like a 66
0: like, that looked like uncooked bacon.
2: Yeah. It looks
0: like, like very like, fatty bacon. Yeah, yeah. It looks
1: like strawberry cream. No, it looks, cream.
2: Like
0: it looks like bacon. Mine's going different yeah. places, but yeah.
2: Um, but so this particular pen I actually bought off their stockroom page. Um, and aside from my gripes with it, I really like Franklin Christoph pens, just mm, as mm. a complete aside. I own four of them now. Four? Four or five of them now. Um, I don't like the Model 2 that you like. I don't like the Model 2 because I don't like the back end, the how it taper. like yep, yep, tapers. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, right. um, I have the Model 2 in Arctic ice. But this particular one, um, I've got it inked with Bung Box Piano Mahogany, which is a fantastic I like ink. It. I
0: really like oh it. Oh,
2: my gosh. So, And I know everyone complains about how Bung Box inks are super expensive. They are. It's just a fact. Uh, just live with it but the colors are so good the color selection is amazing so diverse i'm not a big brown or red ink fan like i'm just not um especially the darker reds but this piano mahogany it it just does something to me no
0: that's really nice i was um when i wrote with it before i i was surprised at how much i liked it um diana what are you writing with today
1: Okay, um, I'm riding with one of my ST DuPont Olympia extra large. Uh, this is a discontinued model. It's in a finish that I haven't been able to properly identify. Um, it's palladium with these really bright red, like Ferrari red um, lacquer um, sections. So panels of red on the cap and this the whole back end of the body is like Ferrari red. And it's got a factory M nib uh, in eighteen carat, and it's inked with Current Dash Sunset, which is the discontinued uh, Colors of the Earth pinkish red color. So I have a question for you, Diana. Mm -hmm. Do
2: you prefer the Dupont Olympia XL or the L's? I prefer the XLs. And why is that? Because your hand's not that much larger than mine. Um, It is. It is larger. I know you have longer fingers. You have a model's hand. Uh, <laughs> 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 Inside joke. <laughs> Diana's had her hand featured on a jewellery page as a hand model and m- multiple people have commented how her hands are perfect <laughs> for hand modelling. All right. A la Zoolander. Um, what's the guy's name? The Derek no, the, Zoolander? The no, no, hand, no. The hand, the hand model. Um, hand da- David fun. Duchovny in... <laughs> In Zoolander was the hand model.
3: Oh, yep. right. no. I'm yeah, surprised yeah. you don't keep
0: it in, like, you're a right, glass right. bubble like he does. Yeah, like he yeah, does. Yeah, anyway. You should, Yeah. No, I'm thinking of George <laughs> and Seinfeld when they're like, oh, he's a hand model. And um...
1: <laughs> Stop it.
2: <laughs> anyway, so your, your hand model hands um, are not overly large. And do you find the XL comfortable? Because I've always found that the XL was a little bit too heavy and a bit too large for my liking. So I personally prefer the L of so the DuPonts.
1: I would say that I don't write with the DuPont Olympios in either size for extended periods. I like them because um, I really love the nibs and I like how the cap's really easy to snap on and off and they don't dry out that easily. But I find both the large and the extra large a little bit heavy than I would prefer for regular writing. But I much prefer the finishes that I own in the extra large size compared to the large. So I have the large in various, a kale, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And um, I also have the vertigo, the stripy stripy tartan pattern in a large. But um, I love the nibs much better on the extra large. Somehow they're a little bit more bouncy. They have more character in my opinion like maybe just because of the size of the shoulders of the nib and the length of the nib i just like how it feels just like you like how the custom um the pilot Custom or the nib feels even though you don't like the (laughs) large size of the pen Um, i just think the size of the nib really gives it um a really nice feel compared to the large so, um, complete opposite from you, actually,
2: I really like the DuPont Olympio L, and I think it is close to one of my, like, ideal pens. Um, I don't mind the weight. I find that um, it's actually very comfortable and it writes on its own weight. It, one of the most appealing things of a DuPont is that because it's so heavy, it's one where you as long as you don't grip it too hard, it will write on its own weight.
3: And they're very balanced too. So you don't have to hold it in a certain spot to, to sort of bend it. Like It's not back heavy, so you don't have to tilt it towards the page. You don't have to hold it up from the page. It's just, it's just there. You don't have to make an effort.
0: Tav, what are you writing with today?
3: I decided to write with a pen that I've actually had for quite a while now. It's a Parker 51 in a teal, a lighter teal finish with a stainless steel cap. Um, the reason why I haven't, I actually have not written with it for quite a while until recently, I, uh, I found for a very, very cheap price, about $50 on eBay, in an auction, a stock stub nib for a 51, and I was just interested in it, so I bought it, and then I had to figure out how to take my existing Parker 51 apart, um, which I discovered had a steel nib in it despite being sold to me by a guy who claimed it had a gold nib, which was a bit sneaky. But still, I didn't really like it because it was a bit scratchy. It was a bit felt like I was riding with a piece of sand and uh, it was too fine for me. I like a broader nib, as many of you would know. And so I really hurt my thumb actually trying to get it apart. It was very stiff. Even for a 51, it was very stiff to get apart. So I've got a bit of a callus or something on my thumb. It's a bit numb right now. I they're a little oh, worried. It's okay. Oh baby, right. it's a bit of a boo boo. It's okay. I'll be fine.
1: Is it hard to get the nib out of a fifty-one? Um,
3: it shouldn't be. Like the, the the way of doing it's not particularly complicated. You just need to unscrew this, unscrew that, unscrew this. But I had to really heat it up um, with a hairdryer to get the adhesive off. Um, you just unscrew this, unscrew everything, um, then you pull the nib off. But it, whilst it is friction fit, you can't just pull it out from it as it is. You've got to unscrew it. I mean, I suppose you could, but there's not really anything to grab because it's all hidden. And the, the, the stub nibs, it's a, it's like, a, a I think it's one millimeter. And it's really, really nice. I had to do a bit of tuning for the... For the I
1: tried this pen yesterday. Yeah, the Sydney pen, meet, it's really yeah. Yeah, the,
3: the nib and feed are really nice. Uh, I had to tune the nib and feed a little bit. It wasn't writing as it should, I think, because I accidentally left an iron gall ink in it. Was a bit clogged up, so I had to put it through a sonicator, mm. and it writes it well now. But yeah, I mean, hey, that was that was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. But uh, now it writes beautifully, and I've got it inked with Yamadori, which uh, it almost matches the color of the pen. The only ink I think that would match the pen better would probably be Montblanc Blue Hour, or what I was writing with last month, which was um, Maruzen Athena. Eternal Blue which is a, a a bluer teal rather than a greener teal like Yamadori
0: right right yeah I've got uh, Sioro in in mine at the moment in my A23 um, oh. which which goes on looking blue and dries uh, a little more green have I got that right or yeah. the, it's the other way yeah no it goes on looking the darker blue oh. by the time it dries it ends up more green I
3: actually think that's very similar to Mont Blanc Blue Hour actually that's one of the reasons I don't yeah I think that's one of the reasons I don't have a bottle of Blue Hour is because it dries green and it doesn't look like it's a and beautiful... It's sold out. Well, yeah, no, but I would have bought a bottle at the time, yep. but it goes on a lovely dark blue and then it goes green. Mm. And you kind of, that's weird. Anyway, I'll, I'm, my next fill is going to be with Maruzen and Athena
0: Eternal Blue and I'll see how that goes. Okay, we've got some feedback before we get to the main one. I, I want to do this one to allow our other host uh, reaction time, um, but uh, I'm going to do this one. So... Uh, there's two parts to this one. There was original uh, from Louby Lou from Great Britain. Um, uh, love to hate this podcast. There are some people with a lot of expertise and knowledge on this podcast. I love to have insight into inks and nibs, etc. But Diana annoys me. She needs to learn not to talk over people and dominate the conversation all the time. She needs to recognize that people are allowed to have different opinions from hers. Now, there's been an update uh, from February this year. Uh, and it says, I have stuck with the nib section for the last 12 months and listened to every episode. It's really grown on me and is now one of my favorites. Diana has done some great interviews and I now know I was being harsh in my first review.
1: Thank you, Lubilo. Uh I really appreciate your update. I note that you haven't uh, upward revised your star count. It's
4: still, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh.
1: It's still a four star review. <laughs>
4: oh.
3: Well, maybe the four stars was... Maybe maybe the annoyance at you was so insignificant that it didn't
0: influence yeah, the four stars. Maybe it's a mean of between the two.
1: I guess you're rounding downwards then.
0: Maybe it's five now, but it was a three before.
1: But, you know, I'm not going to dwell on that. So, thank you for being so generous with your um, reconsidered opinions and being frank about it and owning up to your previous mistake. Well, no... <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us for 12 months 12 because months, yeah. that's a long
2: commitment. Yeah. yeah. For a podcast you love to hate. Oh Yeah. yeah yes, like a very is. long commitment.
3: Uh, I don't know if you love to hate it. Come on. 12 months. You
0: love us. I
2: could barely put up with myself for 12 months. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, true. I think Luby Lou's doing very, very well. <laughs>
0: Congrats. Well done. Tav, do you want to take this next one? Okay.
3: So, C Velo from Australia. Um, five stars. Uh, informative, but still casual, fun, and generous. I don't write many reviews, but I just discovered the nib section. And being a local, this podcast deserves praise. I really love the casual, easygoing, but experienced hosts and their approach Always fun, but informative, and they know their stuff without being patronising. A special thanks because they don't run advertising, and understandably, a podcast demands not only time, but resources. It speaks to their generosity and love of fountain pens. Cheers. Oh, thank you, C Velo. That's uh, that's really lovely review. We do
0: we do appreciate it. We we do try to keep uh, our our episodes um, advertising free. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes, free. Just like the first three months on Dropbox, when you sign up for (laughs) it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> jokes yeah, aside,
3: <laughs> this, this,
0: this, this, is a, this is a great segue for yeah, our first yeah, ad pivot. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't, don't of turn of it off. Ad segue. <laughs> ad segue is uh, yeah. But um, I, I don't think we have done any actual like w- we don't do we don't recommend things we don't honestly love. And even honestly. Though <laughs> Uh, or, 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 oh,
1: honestly,
0: or, or or earnestly dislike, but we we generally tell you that's the case. Um, listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and when you listen to comedy podcasts, the ads themselves are entertaining. Uh, you know, when when they get presented, but on a lot of other podcasts, I, I imagine. If you're halfway through uh, a murder podcast, you don't want to hear about a Lisa mattress. But yeah, um, we th- thank you very much. Uh, we uh, it does it does demand time, but we we love doing it. So uh, I thank you, C Velo, for uh, tuning in and listening to us. Um, so we've got our main topic today. Our main topic, uh, you know, how we tow and transport, pack and protect. Our Accumulated Instruments is under the spotlights today. It is all about fountain pen carry and storage. Uh, So we're going to do a little bit uh, how are we stowing today um, in the order of uh, presentation. Uh, So I have with me a newly acquired uh, Galen leather uh, pen roll. It's got uh, these spaced out slots, which uh, there is uh, one pocket for what appears to be a single instrument, the next pocket holds three, the next pocket holds four, and then the next two pockets hold two each. So it's made to fold into three, and it's it's pretty well made. There's, it's a nice soft leather on the inside. The outside is still a little bit stiff, but apparently that's going to soften up. I haven't had it very long, so we'll see how we go on that. Uh, Sharon. I might leave Sharon till the end. <laughs> Because uh, Sharon, we are, she has the hometown advantage
4: So <laughs> yeah, she sure do. need
0: to bring as many things uh, to a location She just needs to bring them out uh, I'll go with Tav for the moment Tav, how are, you, how are you storing today?
3: I'm storing in just a Montblanc 3 pen case It's just any colour as long as it's black um, I've had this for a couple of years now It's got a couple of scuffs, but one of the reasons I really like cases like this, it's one of my three main pen cases, the others being a Caran two-pen case and an Aurora two-pen case. I actually quite like the sort of the more rigid leather pen cases because I feel it protects my pens a little bit more because I chuck it in my backpack. So if I'm going to be carrying a a vintage pen around, I'd prefer it to be in a rigid case rather than a, a soft or supple one, just in case something hits my bag. It will absorb the impact. I've never had any issues and any uh, pens scratched by it. I've never had anything like that. Um, it's it's functional. I bought it sort of as a present for myself as a sort of a congratulations to getting a new job at the time. And it it just – it's very functional. It works. Never had a complaint with it.
0: Let's take us over to Dai now. Dai, how are you storing today?
1: Um, so, I am – carrying one of my Corbo four pen wraps. This is a very interesting um, wrap design that I first saw on, I think, Le Reyes' Instagram a couple of years ago. Um, I tracked it down because I liked how it was large enough to hold um, a Nakaya full size pen, but still looked like interesting. It's not, you know, like one of those single Visconti pen sleeves, which are a bit, Boring, in my opinion. It holds four pens. It has individual slots for each pen. Like I said, it holds a very large pen and small ones, if you like, and it protects them adequately. It's not completely stiff, but it's not so flimsy as you know most Japanese-made fabric uh, pen wraps. So I think it has this nice balance of um, style and functionality. It protects them when I need to put my pens in my handbag, and. As I've mentioned on Facebook before many occasions, when I travel with fountain pens overseas, I only carry four pens, generally speaking. I have a capless of some sort, I have a pen inked with red ink, and then I have two regular writing pens, um, ones with fine nibs, generally speaking. And this holds them perfectly. Yeah, And I have a couple of these Corbo wraps. They're very hard to find actually on Rakuten because when you search for Corbo pen wrap, um, it's hard to get it to show up in results because Rakuten works like that. But um, they're available in multiple colors. They're not cheap, but I think they're really well made. I've had this one for about three, four years and I use it every day. Yeah, I really love it.
0: I'm a fan. I'm probably going to end up getting one in yellow, but um, not. Do they do them in yellow? They do. Oh, they do. That that means he's going to get one exactly.
1: But yellow is often out of stock.
0: Yeah, I'll 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 have to take a look. But uh, which leads us uh, onto the you know the home team for the episode, Sharon. Sharon, what what are you storing with today?
2: Okay, so as Chuck mentioned, I have the home a home advantage because given this is my home. so I've whipped out a number of things, which I might actually just all go through now, right? Yes. Yeah. Let's just go through all of it now, and then we'll see. We'll see what happens later. On. Right? Let's start with so the ones that you start. carry
1: around, and then the ones what I carry around.
2: I've raved about these pen sleeves from Nagasawa in their Kip leather multiple times in the past because this is the softest leather cover that you will ever, ever ever touch. I've never felt a leather pen sleeve or pen wrap so soft like this before. So the, this is a single pen sleeve. It fits most pens, most size pens. You yeah, talked I think,
0: about this one before. Yeah, I've
2: talked about this and one quite Kip a few times. And Kip
0: is a very nice, supple, like but, easy I leather. I mean,
2: I'll pass this around, feel it. Both
1: inside and outside, it
3: wow, is, uh... it's... Soft it's leather.
1: very very lush
3: that's yeah
1: they take care to line it with micro suede so it's yeah, not absolutely like
3: natural so feel suede. the
1: inside feel the inside of that
0: oh <laughs> no, sorry <laughs> um no i'd love that,
2: that. was obscene I guess, I guess
0: i guess we're getting our R rating for this episode <laughs> Sorry, explicit yep. content
2: So I um, use this as a – like just to fit one pen in there, usually a Nakaya. I would just slip a Nakaya in there if I'm carrying one around. Um, So this particular sleeve I don't use probably as much as a lot of the others, but I do love it because it is the perfect um, pen sleeve for one pen and one pen that you really, really want to protect. Um, It's also super, super tactile. It's just one that you just want to keep touching – stroking feeling all those inappropriate Definitely
3: r-rated right. yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna run
2: with that now <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. so the
1: one sharon has is i think the large i know they the single pen sleeves comes in a small and a large because if you put try to put a small pen in this large sleeve it'll probably slip out mm. so it doesn't actually slip out but um it's not as secure as the small yes pen correct sleeve. yes that's right so um yeah find the size that suits your pen
2: Yeah, but this fits most pens, um, and the Micro Sway does a really great job of keeping the pen actually inside the pen sleeve, so it doesn't, well, yeah, okay, you just slip that out, but um, it's a beautiful pen sleeve, I love it dearly. And um, I've always said that I will buy the full set of these, but they keep coming in limited edition colours and I have commitment issues. That's
0: the story
3: of your life, Sharon. (laughs) Wow. Just buy one for each VP you're going to get.
2: Oh, my gosh. Oh, what have I done? They're so expensive. (laughs) They're so expensive. So these, I will say, they're very, very expensive and I do like the actual folios that they do as well as the pen wraps. Um, But this one, I just can't justify the cost because they come out with a new colour every season.
1: Um, I really like the design, which is like a, a A5 notebook holder, which you can yes, also put pens into. You can into. put pens on one side; it's like three or four pen
2: slots. So pretty. Oh, yes, I know, I know. I've been lusting after that. But when we're talking about these sleeves, that when I say they're not cheap, they're like a hundred and something dollars for a single pen sleeve, and then for a wrap, you're looking at about three four
3: hundred dollars. So sort of karen pen. Um, like pen sleeve I would get of-
2: this over a Caran d'Ache though. Like yeah, I know, day but the
3: that's, that's the sort yeah. of cost that you'd pay though. So it's a, pre- a definite,
2: definite premium one. So there's that. Then I, on a day-to-day basis, I actually carry, and, and I do apologise up front because you can't get this anymore, <laughs> but um, I really like pen wraps and I'm a pen wrap type of gal. Um, I find that they take up very little space and the more space I can save in a handbag or in a bag, um, the better And so years and years and years ago, we're talking 2009, I want to say, 2009 on Fountain Pen Network, there was this lovely girl by the name of Ling, who was a Taiwan school teacher, I think. And she organized these pen wraps. So she and one of her friends designed these pen wraps, um, which were made from a really durable um, material. So like just regular cotton. Cotton um, material. It's lined inside with a stiff backing, so it's actually, it's not a soft pen wrap. It's actually got quite a bit of um, body body to it, and um, they've designed these pen wraps. They did them in a, um, in a clip finish as well as in a just a ordinary wrap finish. I own about seven of these. And I I really, really like them because they're just – they're very um, convenient in terms of the space that they take up. They take up no space whatsoever. They fit six pens of varying sizes. I haven't found a pen – well, I, don't, I don't own a lot of huge pens, but I haven't found a pen that they don't fit. So, for instance, this particular pen wrap even fits a Nakaya desk pen, which is pretty impressive because they're long. It fits a pilot parallel, basically. Um, and they're r- super durable uh, pen wraps. I've had this one for... 10 years yeah about 10 years and i've been using it consistently for 10 years it feels
1: like a coated canvas or
2: yeah so inside they've got a lining inside you can see it from here because i've worn through the outside of this particular pen wrap but um yeah so i own quite a few of these and i don't think you can buy these anymore but you used to be able to buy them they were really cheap they were about 40 bucks
3: i think i have to say i I do like cotton as a material in general It's, it's really it's a really nice material to make most things out of
2: I take that particular pen wrap to pretty much every single pen meet and I keep six pens
3: inked at any time as my general thing. It feels like the sort of tough cotton, lined cotton that you'd feel like maybe a an old fashioned kitchen apron would be made out of like it's like, but it's,
2: like it's much
0: duct, softer like a cotton duck kind of
3: yeah yeah like yeah it's it's a soft one but it's if, very, you, if there very was soft. like a really soft kitchen apron or a apron oven or something like that the top
1: flap is just two layers of the fabric and the but the bottom part uh, the really body reinforced. that's that's got like reinforced yeah it's like some sort of um, a synthetic material to give yeah. it more rigidity so you can't get this anymore, unfortunately. I'm sure m- people can make
2: something similar, but it's just not as easily available. So she used to – Ling used oh, to like also the do
0: – I like the little toggle on the end of the yeah. the actual wrapping. With a bit of
2: abalone shell. Yeah. So you used to be able to pick what type of um, material uh, in terms of the finish as well as what type of um, like deco- decoration you want at the end. Um, you could pick anything of this and she would have a whole folder – of, um, she would have a whole, sorry, dog dramas. Dog wants to play.
3: (laughs) Dog is very, very friendly at the moment.
2: Uh, So you used to be able to go into her collection of fabrics and just pick the fabrics you wanted, both on the inside lining as well as on the outside, and just pick the ones uh, that you liked and they would make it for you. Turnaround time was about a week to two weeks. It was very fast. Um, But it would only be available during school holidays. Because that was the only time they would make them. And they also did um, two pen cases as well. So I've got one of their two pen cases um, that I also use quite regularly. And yeah, these have held up really, really well. And you can just chuck them into the washing machine and they come out great. So we're going to try and take photos of all of these so we can put them up on our Facebook. These were a big hit on Fountain Pen Network. And we'll actually link the original um, or if we can find it, we'll try and link the original post on Fountain Pen Network when she announced all of these. But um, I don't think he can get these anymore, which is a real pity because I would love to restock on these.
1: The problem is that I've gone on Etsy looking for, you know, makers of pen wraps, mm. but you never quite know how good they are because... They look the same in photos, but what you're describing is like the little design features which aren't evident when you look at it, but yeah. which really make a difference when you use it. So how floppy the, the pen wrap is, um, how well cut the edges are so that when you fold them, they're not sticking out on the sides, um, things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's
0: also little things like uh, a, a big favorite of mine that um, you know, I like the design of is the, uh, are you familiar with Peg and All? Um, yes. Yeah. So they have a, a Sendek pen roll and a, I've got one of and those. a mini Sendek roll. And they, I like, I have the, thoughts about that. I like the design of them, but everything that I see, it looks like the compartments are too small for, for like, significant sized fountain pens, which is why I, I never opted for them. Um, whereas if you were carrying, like, a set of, like, Palomino Black Wings, or if you were pre- predominantly working with pencils and, like, thinner markers, then I think you wouldn't have as much of an issue. But the pictures I've seen and the way it, uh, a single pen seems to fit tight uh, in in the slots makes me shy away from it. Um, and that's uh, like the kind of finer detail thing um, that uh, Diana was touching about is you, you have to not just be attuned to the um, build quality, but you also have to be attuned to the... The needs yeah, of yeah, the, the materials particular, that people are storing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it's not just, you know, you've kind of look, got to look for something that has the width of being able to store like a Copic marker, right, um, instead of instead of pencils.
1: So speaking of pen and all, I have, um, I'm showing Chuck this, um, the Sendak artist role, yep. um, not in black, I have it in this canvas khaki color. And um I, I really like the design. I think it's it looks great. Um and I would love to use it for urban sketching or just random drawings and so on, but I find the the strap, the leather strap that goes around it and the little do you call that the buckle the buckle i just find that so flimsy and it's really hard because the leather itself is so soft, uh, soft and i it's, believe
0: it's a vintage leather which exactly is why you're gonna get that. and the
1: end of it frays so it's hard to get it through the buckle yeah. and I, I just find that such it, it's such an easy mistake to fix yeah that's
0: a that's a burnishing oversight like the the lead, the end of the leather shouldn't be fraying even if it is vintage you can right. always or, or just fold it over yeah. Stitch it and fold it over.
1: It's not a cheap wrap, and yet this is something that
3: yeah, yeah. if you're going
1: to be using like this a buckle. It's the US. Yeah, if you're going to be using this buckle every time you open it, yeah. then you don't want it to be fraying when it's brand new. It,
3: it, seems, it seems like a big design issue. Like if you look at a belt, for example, just notice Chuck's belt, they, they, like, they will often burnish the ends or they will stitch around it or something. Or to they prevent, put like
1: gl- some sort of like glue. Yeah, just paint something. the If edge. you've
3: got like that little tongue that goes through the buckle. It, in order to like to like, it just seems like something so obvious. It's gonna it's gonna wear out, so you have to reinforce it. the, the
0: first The first places you see wear with any kind of buckle are going to be at the edge where it goes in, right. and at the main fold. So if you're if you're slotting at the same point, those are the two places. If you've had a belt for any length of time, then you know that those are uh, the most worn down places, and uh, as opposed to like right near the the actual buckle itself on that side of the belt. You, that doesn't tend to move around as much.
1: But this is the sort of thing that you can't tell from a... F- Sorry, uh, that was Seb. This is the sort of thing that you can't tell from a product photo online. Correct. And if, you, if it's a small company that doesn't have a lot of reviews on the website, then you're not going to hear about this until you've received the product. Yep. In which case, you know, it, it's kind of your own fault. Mm. Small um, company
0: is uh, also like small customer pool which means that it's hard to cross reference other people's experience against yours. Right.
1: And they are probably more likely to be friends of the owners. <laughs> anyway, rant over about Peganor. Anyway, so <laughs> back we to
0: Sharon. So because <laughs> By the way, Sharon is just introducing her. Oh her yeah,
2: so these are stories. the ones that She's i just I do getting use. started. I'm just getting started, really. Because you can't get this ling um, pen wrap anymore the closest I found as an alternative is the Pilot Pensemble which I also quite like, um, it's, it's all leather, it's all leather, it's um, quite a nice finish, the insides probably not as, um, it's not as soft as I would like them to be, so it doesn't have the same um, feel as the Nagasawa micro suede insides, it's a bit stiffer, but um, the leather itself is very, very nice, um, and they're also very reasonably priced, they're circa, they're about 100 bucks, I think, for a pen wrap, and they fit five pens. Is it
1: just me, or is it a little bit shorter, too, than the ones that you it's have? It is. It's
2: shorter than my other ones, yeah. So, the Pilot Pen Sambl fits a regular size pen. It won't fit in an oversized, so it won't fit a Pilot Parallel, for instance, whereas the fabric ones I have do fit a um, Pilot Parallel. But this is really nice. This is one that you can just chuck in your bag and call it a day because it's just – yeah it withstands a lot of wear and tear and um, it's very compact for me. Like I just like things which are compact uh, if I'm going to be carrying them around. So those are probably the main ones that I actually use when I'm carrying around pens. I used to um, own one of those uh, zip folios which uh, you can keep pens in. I used to have a I think it was forty eight pen zip folio as well as a 24 pen zip folio but um i don't like the elastic um the elastics uh, which are in those folios that you have to slip slot your pens into um for me those elastics they either wear out or they leave weird marks on certain pens so
0: those elastics are going to be primarily synthetics and those synthetics are going to leave marks yeah uh, on certain finishes and the bigger a pen as well the more likely because the the tighter it's what sort of materials are they going to leave marks on? I'm curious. Um, so, like, like a, a, a cheaper plastic, it'll definitely leave a mark. Like, straight um, it's definitely it's you're not going to get anything on something like a an, an arushi or whatever. It's just like too small. It's the kind of um, irritation you're going to get from like a synthetic that's like tight against your skin. So, if if you you know that it's like that kind of irritation. Um, for those elastic bands, it's not like a, uh, cotton, cotton fibers don't tend to leave those as much as, um, elastic does. Right. It's like, uh, you know, on a, on a very, uh, you know, muted downscale. Um, it's not, it'll be like, a.
1: I'm going to edit all this out because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think you you know what you're talking about. <laughs> no,
0: depression. It's, yeah, no, it's it's like the cuz the synthetic the synthetic fibers are are not as um they're like a lot straighter and they're not really? yeah, so they don't they don't coil around as much as like the the organic ones.
1: But I'm assuming some elastics can be coated with like a cotton Thread,
0: Yeah, I I don't think that you're
1: Depending on how expensive I don't think you're probably going to
0: see that within a pen wrap, I don't think. Okay. Uh, within, no, I, within I, I doubt that either. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's just more expense.
3: So then
2: up until recently, I at home I was storing all of my pens in their original boxes, which is not ideal. Because it meant that I had no idea how many pens I had. It also meant that I had no idea where to find certain pens, and uh, pens would go missing. Like I literally had a whole box of pens go missing. And when I say a whole box of pens, I mean like twenty or so pens go missing because I just couldn't find them. Um, I didn't know which box I slotted them into, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so what I have been looking for for quite a while was that I used to own a Monte I used to own a Montegrappa. Um, display case. So like a salesperson's uh, display case where you keep samples and it would keep like 24 pens in the display case. It was very slim, very compact and I had one of those once upon a time. I don't know where it went now um, but I was trying to find something similar like a salesperson's display case. So I did have a Pelican one which is very compact I have a Pelican display case where um, it fits I don't actually know how many pens it fits hang a sec 10 yeah so it fits 10 pens but it only fits Pelican size pens and it only fits Pelican size pens up to M800 which was a little bit annoying and this particular case is just for my
1: ballpoints
3: so it's it's a Pelican asterisk pen case like not not all pelicans need apply.
1: I have to say though for for the size of the case it, it's really nice. It's, yeah, it's like, is really nice. It's, it's, it's very looks
0: economical. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like two Moleskine A5 notebooks stacked on top of each other. That's of size. It's very very slim. It's an A5 size case.
2: Um really slim. Fits fits an M800 in here. You can fit 10 AM, can M800s in here. Um but yeah, this was an old salesperson or display case. Yeah. It, but, looks, like, um, it looks
3: like the sort of thing you'd you'd like you'd be a, if you were a traveling salesperson.
2: Yeah. And so I really like these and I've seen – so Leo uh, has a couple of the pilot ones, um, a couple of the pilot salesperson display cases where, again, those ones are much larger than this but they're also quite slim and compact and they're really good for storage. So in that particular vein, I went on a hunt to try and find ideal pen storage because I really couldn't stand not knowing what pens I owned – um, for much longer. And so what I ended up finding was um, uh, yaching Style. So Ms. Lai from Yaching Style actually had one of her display cases with her when I met her in Japan. So she had all of her new products in a display case. And while her new products were really cool, they were also out of my price range, the display cases were something that I really, really liked. So they were a microfiber suede finish. Um, they had magnetic ends. They were very, very rectangular, so they stacked really well on top of each other. They are really well-sized. Yeah, Ms Lai had these display cases and she has two sizes of them, one which was for 10 pen storage that fits a Mont Blanc 149 and then she has another one which is a seven pen storage that fits like a Namiki Emperor so the oversized pens and these um they I thought these were like fantastic storage options because they have um, a really nice padded top so you can use either side as a writing surface um, they, like I said, they stack while they're closed and they also stack while they're open because they're magne- magnetic sides. You can pop the cover on the back of the case and you can actually stack them all up. And so this is what I've now transferred my entire pen collection into. I own X number of these, where X is quite a few, but um, I, these are 10 slots. And I put all of my pens in here. And I stack them all up in
1: storage now. So now I can actually reach these quite easily. So as you would expect from something designed and made by Miss Lai, who is a fountain pen collector on top of... A she's a
2: collector, a connoisseur, connoisseur, and she's a jewellery artist. So she has exceptional attention to detail.
1: They are incredibly well designed and suited to the needs of Sharon I guess. They're and suited and to <laughs> pen collectors. Exactly. <laughs> it's a
2: pen case designed by a pen
1: collector for pen, pen collectors yeah. So there's obviously all these design features which are meant to make it very good for both storage and presentation. Mm-hmm. I really like that they're not just this usual black like there's this they're this like fawn brown um, like I don't know how, like sort of taupey brown. Yeah, it's um, like a taupey brown. Mushroom brown, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's really nice. Um, every single surface is like suede lined uh, or micro suede lined, and it looks like something that would last like years, decades.
3: Mm. Yeah, I find that that brown color really brings out the color of the pens rather than a black or a white or any other color. Mm. Yeah, it it really does emphasize the color of the pen so much more yeah. and and you've got some really colorful decimos in there.
2: This is my decimo tray.
3: <laughs> is it decimo or decimo? I don't know.
2: Uh it's decimo. decimo with 3 VPs.
3: How many does it hold there? Ten? No, I was talking about pronunciation. Is Ten it decimos? Is it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that it is a decimo, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so I think I have found my ideal storage and I, take, I took one of these to the Sydney Penn Meet yesterday and it wasn't too heavy to carry either. So they're actually not a very heavy case. So two thumbs up.
1: Where can you buy these?
2: Uh, so if you go onto Facebook, there is a specific link to Yaching Style, which we will include. Um, there are like four different Yaching Style pages. And I think if you just message them, you'll be able to buy these. I will forewarn listeners... They're not cheap. They're not cheap.
1: But they are made by a single person. That is true.
3: So I have a question, actually. If, if most of your pens are going to be stored in this and you have a little furry friend in your apartment, are these cases secure enough that if he were to take an interest in them, he would not be able to get it open?
1: Sebastian, are you smart enough to undo these metal clasps? so i'm going to describe this for people who are listening so there are two pieces to this box there is the bottom which is like a rectangular um, box with internal dividers which holds 10 pens two sides of the box are magnetized and then there's a second piece which is a lid that has two flaps um, on two edges and these two flaps are also magnetized so when you put the lid on top of the box the two flaps close on the edges of the box and it holds the lid in place so I I don't want to test it with Seb okay. exactly but I would think that a dog would find it a little bit tricky to get the magnet I suppose it
3: depends on the dog Undone? So if it was like a That's beagle true. or something like if you've got a beagle heaven help you
1: my
2: dog's not that smart
0: it's a, it's also like you uh, it's essentially to to a dog a room is a collection of boxes so what what is, Interesting about this one that would make me identify it.
1: Exactly. What I like is that um, unless you know that this is a box for pens, from when it's closed, it just looks like any random box. And the edges of the lid are incredibly subtle. So um, it doesn't have any transparent edges that you can see inside of.
3: (laughs) As, as As we say this, actually, Sebastian is trying to get into one of them. (laughs) Was not successful He was not successful No he was licking it And it didn't really work very well
0: No 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 He's he's just processing I I suppose I
3: could just Sort of see a dog Trying to chew one of the corners And accidentally dislodging the lid I'm saying this also for You know Fountain pen owners Who have puppies And who have Other animals In their apartments That they might worry Could get a hold Of their precious pens And um, Well Knowing this little fellow who's jumping up on me now I'm sure he would love to chew on those decimos Yeah, look,
0: I mean, if you're, if, if you're the, the owner of an intelligent gee. puppy And you haven't locked everything away hmm. um, That's then, your problem yeah, Yes, yeah. that's on you, boo-boo Yeah um, I think that maybe takes us to the episode <laughs> <laughs> um, What? Uh, oh, yeah. And, and uh, that
2: um, was the episode, guys. Yeah. Thanks Thank for tuning in. <laughs> right.
0: so, so, we did touch on um, a lot of it about like what, what to look for in storage. Leo and Sharon have uh, both said similar things about other uh, pen wraps. So, this is from Leo, who said that the more pens you have to carry, the more you value space efficient packing options. I will often choose to carry in pen trays over a bag of pen tubes. A Star Art paintbrush wrap has been my longest running EDC option. It's a rough cloth with 10 pockets and a big slot at one end. It's safe for plastic and metal. More precious pens go in a pen tube or a Visconti case, right? I I love a pen wrap. Um, I think boxes are... Uh, boxes are always the same size. Whether full or empty, a box is going to be the same size. Whereas a pen wrap can be as bulky as two pens or up to, you know, 14, however big your pen wrap is. Um, and that... Uh, it collapses down quite well. Whereas a box is a box.
1: So I'm gonna um, insert here a audio clip from Paul, our friend from Canberra. Um, he talks about how he went from fabric pen wraps to a leather pen, like a stiffer leather wrap case mm-hmm. made by uh, Frank Clegg, a leather brand from the US. Okay, I am with Wing. Oh, Paul. Paul. I'm sorry, Paul. Oh, okay. We've been calling you Paul. I want to talk to you a little bit about your leather goods specifically because I know you're fond of leather for carry and storage. Um, but I noticed you have something else over there as well. So maybe you want to go over with me what you actually use, um, what you like about them, what you don't like about them, and if you could improve upon any feature of the design, what would you do?
5: Well... I've gone through a few different little goods over the years. I started off with those like really simple like one pen pouch, like leather fold over over and call it a day. But as my collection grows, so is the need to take in more. You know, to have uh, more storage. So this is possibly the second or third pen cover that I have which is a, you know just a cloth cover made by this lady who was involved in the pen community a long while back. I haven't seen her for a while.
1: I remember her too, but I, I've forgotten. Her name slips my mind right now. Yes. I can go and search Lisa. for it.
5: It's Lisa Herring.
1: Lisa in Adel? No, in Queensland, right? Yeah. Lisa Herring in Queensland, of yeah. course.
5: Yeah, I haven't seen her in, around for a while. but um, So that took her a few months when it you know, came in. You know, fairly decently, and she actually. Um, well, I asked for a few modification, especially with an, an extra pen slot. And she actually enlarged two of them to fit bigger pens, which is most appreciated.
1: So, just to describe it for listeners, it's like a cloth, a patterned cloth pen envelope with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah. eight um, slots, and it rolls up yeah. with two ties. Yeah, to. It's actually a very common sort of design that we see.
5: Yeah, but and and of course back then I was you know looking to support the fountain pen. Community, you know the, the local community. So I picked one up, and uh, and for the sake of storage, you know, uh, it's good if you just you know want to carry a bunch of pens around. Of course, uh, it can be a bit conspicuous, especially in a like professional classroom everyday setting. And and of course, um, back then I was you know just playing around and trying different pens and all that. So many changes along the way. Um, I actually picked up a Franklin Christoph, that three pen, three pen slot, second hand, off eBay in the States, and it's actually one it used to be the, the regular pouch. But one thing that I don't really like about that, probably because it's second hand, is that the, uh, the case feels like, like the leather wall actually collapsed. And so it feels like squashing on the pens, and I didn't really enjoy that. And well, this. Uh, what, what I'm holding what I'm having on my hands right now and uh, Diana can see as well is my l- probably my last pen pouch uh, you know, pen case for a very long time it is from a US company called Frankleck. you probably would know them more as a maker of briefcases and like large little goods portfolios and all doctor's bags, yeah doctor's bag, lawyer's bags uh, portfolios but um, it's a little known fact. Well, they kind of mention it in the website that he actually is a pen collector himself. So I was reading up an interview, and he is really into um, the early 1900 pens. Wait,
1: is, is Frank on a pen? is one?
5: Yeah, he's around. He's around. He's around. So the company is actually quite young. It was founded in, in the 1970s by a guy, so by Frank, who basically uh, got sick of having to work for ibm well he got into the interview and then he got out and he just bailed and he just like nope, i'll do leather goods for the rest of my life and here it is i actually forgot the color i picked it up in yeah uh, cognac. cognac cognac yeah yeah you're right actually i think from memory i pick it up in Konya. i think i uh, so this particular type of leather is called a harness belting leather which is usually used you know, as 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 the name said for harnesses and for saddle and all that so they and they're like surprisingly thick it's like it, it feels surprisingly sturdy but it's actually really light really light in the hand as well and one thing i really like about this particular case is well, I kinda mentioned a little before, but the ability for it to gain patina a patina over time. And as you've noticed there, lighting is not great here. But you can see that, you know, it's starting to to, to develop, you know, that it's darkened around there where like I say, you know, when I use them every day I take out a I take them out and I just you know, my hand's there and it just uh just do his work
1: and you've only had this for less than a year
5: yeah I've had this since July but um, this particular leather is notorious for really get a patina going very quickly and I I, I didn't know back in the day that they actually do it in uh, in something called like a natural leather colour so if it's natural they basically don't really dye or it's undye. yeah yeah like uh, true use and I should have done that. That is actually what my wallet will be like. Yeah, it will be like in the future. And for everyday use now, I actually, I use this. So two slots, which is plenty for everyday use. I just, and um, I usually carry my a threes with them. In the ads, I've seen them. They have had a Pelican, at least an M600 in it. But it doesn't
1: fit my custom Urushi which I just tried. The cap band is too thick to fit in yeah, that case.
5: It's really, 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 really big. But then leather being leather leather being leather, because um, originally when it came, yeah like you I actually tried to take them out and you see the difference between the two. You know, one would be easier to extract, the other is a bit more secure in the leather yeah so it will stretch over time and you know that's the beauty of that
1: besides the fact that it's sturdy it's well crafted and it builds a tarnish um what else specifically do you like about this design i mean um you say it's the right size for you you just really only need two pens day to day
5: yeah so i only need two pens and um, a lot of the uh, pen cases that I've seen, that, that you know, I've had, uh, that I own myself, and that they can, they can actually, so they they don't really separate the pens at all. The pens doesn't touch. The pens don't touch. So that's what, what that's one of the things I like about these. Of course, from a make from a manufacturing perspective, it would probably doesn't make much financial sense to. Um, you know, have separate compartments because, well, that would be wasting resources. And of course, that would, I like, say, in the Franklin Christoph, even though you have different slots, the pen are still, you know, that you still have the clip outside and they can touch each other. I reckon this is around the, the size of the Franklin Christoph three pen case.
1: I've never held a Franklin Christoph 3 pen case. I've only seen the pen envelopes, which I'm not a huge fan of. I don't like how they combine leather with fabric. Yeah. I don't like that the two you know the two materials yeah. in one thing. Uh, yeah yeah yeah, you're right. yeah, you're right. Like, it just kind of looks cheap to, to, from my it really
5: taste. Does. It really does. <laughs> what, what, what I was thinking as well like, I think they should have utilized the leather a bit more. A, a bit better because uh, in one of my earlier pen cases it was you know cheap like a cheap single pen pen case what is actually good about that is that they actually just use the leather and uh, so they, they'll have the uh, smooth leather on the outside and for the lining it's actually just the suede side of the leather so it's still you know it's still function to um, polish and keep the keep the pen from scratching or anything so I, I think if that's probably one thing I would improve with this, because it's all all.
1: Ah, the the uh, the, the slots for the the pens aren't lined. Is what you mean?
5: They're not lined. Yeah, yeah. They they're the same leather, so I'm not sure how that would perform down the track. But um, you know, for something that's seven months old, it doesn't look You know, it doesn't really look. Well. Although you can see the patina, which is something that I really, 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 really enjoy about this.
1: I'll be interested to see what that patina, what colour that takes on in the next year or so. Be interesting.
5: In a year, maybe two, maybe more. I, like, I think it's just their leather. But I've seen a gentleman who, like, who owns a portfolio for maybe six months and where he grips the portfolio develops a patina rapidly. Is there anything else you want to ask me about? Thanks, Paul. Uh, no good. <laughs>
1: That was Seb producing a huge part. <laughs> mm. So I think um, a lot of us. Let's do a rundown: who prefers wraps and who prefers harder cases. Uh,
0: I I prefer Rap. wraps. I was right about to put my hand up, and then I remembered we we're doing a podcast.
1: Yeah, so Chuck and Sharon prefer the wraps.
0: Absolutely. I prefer a
3: harder case because I put it in a backpack.
1: Yeah. I put my wrap in a backpack. Okay.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, just my
0: preference. I, I will yeah. say that Diana's Corbo wrap is uh, quite a stiff and durable uh, wrap. And it, uh, I am int- very interested in it, um, particularly because being four, four is a good amount to carry on like a, a given day. You're, you're three as well. This uh, Galen leather wrap, I'm not, there's 12 slots in it. I'm not filling all 12 slots when I go out right i'm i'm not bringing 12 with me unless it's to a meet or something or whatever but otherwise on my day to day it's two or three that come with me
1: so um something that paul touched on when i talked to him was that He started out with a wrap but he ended up finding that it had too many slots that he wasn't using and also that when you spread out a wrap it takes up quite a lot of space and it's a bit um, not ostentatious but it draws a little bit more attention than you want in maybe a professional environment and certainly I find that to be a case and what I really love about the, the Corbo full pen wrap is that when it's open, it doesn't take a lot, up a lot of space and it's very quick to open up. You really just um, unfold yeah. it.
0: Yeah, it's not so much a wrap as it is a fold.
3: It looks like a hybrid between a pen case and Precisely. a pen wrap. It's yeah. really interesting.
1: I, I think it's really the best of both worlds. It, like, it feels supple, but it's got enough rigidity to it. A couple of months ago, I compared it to... Um, the, the saying how um, a handful of reeds, like when, when you hold them tightly together, they, they're not as easy to bend. And I feel like in this case, in the wrap style where you have a lot of pens being wrapped around each other, then they feel a little bit more secure than like the soft sort of pen sleeve, like the one that Sharon has, which is the individual. I feel like it's easier to just bend that accidentally. Yeah, so the pen
2: sleeve itself is probably one that I only um, carry in very small handbags where there's not a lot of uh, room for movement, whereas my go-to pen wraps, so the pen pensamble fits five pens and my cloth my fabric wrap fits six and my fabric wrap in particular is a trifold so it, there's a very specific fold on it so it doesn't actually roll up into a roll where all the pens are rubbing against each other it's uh, two on two on two that's it so i don't like pen wraps which are very large and i actually have a very large pen wrap which i use for pilot petites <laughs> um I have a leather pen wrap that I use to put Pilot Petites in. But those ones I just feel are probably a little bit excessive because I, I don't like carrying that many pens with me. I carry like two or six at most.
0: Mm. I, think, I think it's very easy to get caught up with like a nice storage solution that is maybe not actually very useful to your needs. There's a, a leather slash, um, you know, a cobbler uh, near me uh, that sells this big, Uh, fold for like knife storage I love it I think it's a gorgeous um, leather roll I have two knives they also have this this uh, great leather apron which I don't have any use for when you're thinking about storage I think it's always helpful to to consider your everyday needs rather than you know necessarily your aspirational needs may not be as far as the storage solutions you're looking at?
1: So on the Facebook um, I put out a bunch of questions in the FPO group about what you look for in pen storage, um, what you like, what you don't like and how many pens do you carry around and um, like summarizing going through all the answers I find that most people they prefer something that you know protects the pens and keeps them apart from one another. I think it's okay when you're first starting out with pens that aren't likely to be damaged, um, maybe ones that are completely plastic, like your Kakunos, your uh, Metropolitans, pens that are in the under $100 range, to have um, just your regular stationary pen wraps, which don't have
0: individual pen slots. Or at the very least, the flap that comes down so that when you roll it up, it stays separate.
1: But when you're talking of having, you know, $200, 300 $400 pens, you really do want um, individual slots for your pen so they don't rub against each other and damage one another. I mean, if you don't care about your um, silver and gold trims getting possibly scratched, then... Use what you I, like. <laughs>
3: I have seen people who own Montblanc 146s in the diamond edition. So they have a diamond in the cap finial. They literally just chuck them in their bag. And and he, this person actually came to me again back when I was working in the pen shop and going, oh, can you, can you repair this for me, please? And the cap had just shattered because he just literally put it in his bag. And it was at the bottom of his bag. It had been crushed by his computer. And I'm like... You know, you're going to need a new cap, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is going to cost you a lot of money. It's Mont Blanc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I did suggest to him, look, get yourself a, a case, man. Like, it's... Like, yeah, I don't... put it in the side pocket. Yeah, or something at the like... At very least. Because it wasn't in the main pocket. It was in, like, a smaller pocket. But it had been crushed by something because he just yeah. threw it in there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I mean, that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Even if it was a Kakuno, it's still a disaster waiting to happen. Because if you just throw it unprotected in a backpack... Even a Kakuno that's just a plastic pen could be shattered by something and then you're gonna get ink all over everything. Um
0: you, so you were saying, Diana.
1: What was I saying? Um Oh yeah, I was saying that I think If you're just starting out and you don't have very expensive pens, if you just have safaris, I think safaris are okay if they rub against each other. That plastic is not particularly hard. They're not going to damage one another. But like a safari next to a Jinghao, maybe you want to consider separating them. Um, Because the Jinghao, that's ceramic. And ceramic is harder than
3: acrylic, which will scratch. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, some people, even if they have cheap pens, I mean, I'm sure they'd like them not to be gouged and scratched, unless they like a sort of stonewashed look. In which case, get one of those Koeco stonewashed ones which already are scratched. So you then you can just chuck it in your in your pocket or in a in a in a backpack or something like that, because they're aluminium. They'll already scratched. They won't bend, they won't break, so you're sweet.
1: Yeah. What we're saying is take care of your pens. Yes.
3: Be, be nice to them. Yeah. It doesn't I think look, I cost I said that something much. Like, I think I said something like with vintage pens, treat them like your grandma.
1: Yes. That's the title of one of the episodes.
0: <laughs> uh, so how many pens do you typically carry around? We've, we've kind of touched on. Um, and how do you make that decision? What, what about uh, everyone here? Um, I know uh, Daya said you travel with four. Correct. When you, when you go overseas. Um, I keep two pens uh, at work. Uh, one's a ballpoint, one's a uh, Prera, loaded with red, uh, always. And then I just rotate pens when I bring into work. So usually on any given day, I'll have uh, one with me, maybe two, and two waiting at work. So I usually don't bring that many around with me. What about you, Tev? So
3: I'll always have one fountain pen clipped to my lab coat at all times. That just stays on my lab coat. Um, that is a Kaweco, um aluminium sport with a sort of carbon fibre finish. I always have that on me. Um, usually that's loaded with some kind of permanent ink. Um, I also have a, a rollable Schaefer Targa that I use for red ink, if I need to use red ink. And I also have a, a Pelican ballpoint that I keep on me at work. Those are my permanently at work pens. However, what I carry, like what I um, like, my, my fountain pens that I carry with me wherever I go, not just at work, I you will either have two or three, depending on the pen case I've got on me that day. So, if I've got my Caran Dash or, or um, my Aurora uh, pen case, those two are two pen cases. But probably my most used pen case is my Mont Blanc. Although, the Aurora pen case is the biggest. So, if I have a really big pen, like um, my Lotus pen with the Ragnarok nib or um, my Visconti Manhattan, not Manhattan, sorry, the Wall Street, that's a huge pen and it, it sort of fits in the Montblanc case but barely like only just so you know I'll prefer to carry it in that one as well and it gives it it's got a lot more space in it as well so if it's a bit more of a delicate pen I might put it in a pen in in a, a case that's got more room in it so you know if something does impact it it's got a bit more cushion yeah it's either two or three for me
0: what about you Sharon
2: I'm really simple I carry one pen that's it I carry a decimo light violet fine nib always inked with Pilot Iroshizuku Asagao. And so that's actually clipped onto my notebook cover. So I have a, a really simple leather notebook cover, which has got like an elastic um, pen slot on the side. Um, and it's also got a button closure. I carry that around at work all the time. And um, yeah, it's just worked for me. And the uh, Decimo is a really quick Um, It's a quick draw pen. I think we've called it that in previous episodes. It's just a really quick pen. Like it's one click and it just writes. And so um, I carry that with me everywhere Um, whenever I, well, Monday to Friday everywhere. So it's in my work bag permanently. Otherwise, when I'm going out, I don't usually carry more than two pens unless it's for a meet. So I usually carry my Decimo and then I might bring one other one. But that's it. And if, when it comes to meats, I usually only bring six inked pens. That's it. And I rotate them out, but um, no more than six.
0: A lot of the answers that we got when we put this out to the group, it's generally between one and five. Um, and then there's some, some outliers,
2: Brian's like outlier. Leo.
0: Brian's a, Brian and Leo are, are big outliers uh, of uh, 10 to 12 with Leo and. Uh, Brian, who has explicitly said always the 25. 25. Always. But I, I think when, when you're talking EDC, if you're bringing around the same storage option every day, then you, you're, you're not really, you don't need to consider what to swap in and out. But yeah. if you're pen focused, then you're probably not going to be bringing around as much, right? If you're only going to bring two or three. This next one is, is an interesting one, and I, I definitely have something to contribute. But um, have you ever had a pen damaged because of the way it was stored? Anything special you protect your pens from? Children, pets, hazardous environments.
1: I want to read a cautionary tale from Leo. So Leo says... I have damaged Urushi by storing it in a plastic sleeve without a pen tube inside my wrap. The crinkly folds of the plastic sleeve at the top rubbed layers of Urushi off the top of the cap. The safe solution to carrying around Urushi pens is wrapped in tissue or cloth or a soft-lined case. Urushi should be stored away from strong light or heat, not too humid or too dry to prevent degradation, cracking or bubbling. See, I didn't know this about Urushi. So
2: I – and I was with – Leo when he found this out actually. So it's recent. It was very very recent because he was storing one of his custom Urushi in the original plastic wrapper that you get with your pilot pen and he just literally took it out, kept it in the plastic and then slotted it into his everyday carry, the um, canvas um, pen holder that he has and he was told by um, someone very worldly that that's not the way that you care for urushi because it scratches. The plastic will scratch, even if you think it won't, it will scratch. So generally, when you get urushi, you want to put it in something that's not going to damage or be any or be abrasive to the surface. Um, hence, the microfiber finishes that i have on my cases work really well or the kip leather from nagasawa works really really well as well but failing that if you don't have it and you just want a cheap storage option for urushi just use a piece of tissue actually like kleenex use a kleenex wrap it and that protects the urushi so well much better than plastic will
0: yeah because your plastic sheets are going to form little crinkles yeah that may not be hard enough to s- stand up to anything large but if there's it's just small movement and in a uh, you know in in a small area repeatedly then you're going to get some wear that makes sense to yeah, me especially with walking it's just a repeated little
3: up and down movement that might yeah, yeah. Will cause a very tiny gouge in mm-hmm. the did in you the see material.
1: what the what the result of the damage was on it's
2: his not t- particularly visible, but it is if you are a little bit anal about your pens. So if you actually, <laughs> so if you actually bring it up close, you can see certain lines.
1: I wonder. Yorushi. I wonder if this also holds true for lactoshin. Chinese lacquer or like yes, because you, you get micro points. scratches on lacquer sheen. Speaking of micro scratches on lacquer sheen and damage on lacquer sheen, I have oh as no. I, as I said, previously, oh no. As I said, I think in a previous episode, I think um, I have three Dupont Olympio XL in the Vertigo One finish. Um, I originally bought one. Um, used on ebay and when it arrived i discovered that um it had like the the lacquer had some sort of a damage to it which wasn't evident at first but became more evident over time as it faded so i think it was probably maybe um someone tried cleaning it with like a alcohol solution or more abrasive yes so something chemically um had altered it the surface and um parts of it were becoming very different in color so that's why i bought two follow-ups of the same (laughs) (laughs) just in case and you say
2: i have a backup problem
1: This isn't something that happened as a result of the way I stored it, but I do think that probably um, that sheen would need to be stored the same way as a rishi. You want to keep it away from hard surfaces and possibly it would fade with direct sunlight.
0: It's a it's a very tough material, but it's not bulletproof.
2: No, it's not. It's not. You can get micro scratches on it. And I, I no longer have um, one of my DuPonts, but I had one of my oldest DuPonts, which I just didn't care how I stored it. But that, That lacquer had uh, like quite significant scratches on it, both on the metal portion as well as on the actual lacquer portion.
0: Yeah. There's one here which is uh, a bit concerning from our sometime host, Max. I'm unfortunate enough to live less than a block from a coal train line, so small amounts of coal dust are always creeping in through windows, which will act like an abrasive and cause micro scratches if not dealt with. Max, I have a regular checkup with a respiratory specialist. <laughs> that's not. That's not right. <laughs> I've got the black lung. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not amazing.
3: I've actually had a mishap with one of my Dupont Olympios in Lactachine. It was stored in a Kherandash leather case, and the stitching, I think, is actually a synthetic thread, and it caused these very visible horizontal lines to form, like these these almost gouge lines to form over time um on on the Olympia on the cap of the Olympio. Um it actually looked like someone had sort of taken a knife to it and scratched it sideways. And I know it wasn't wasn't like that when I bought the pen. So it was like this synthetic thread that was used in the stitching of the lining. And since then I've not used it that particular case to to carry it. I, I'll only use a I'll use the Montblanc case because if anything else, the stitching of the Montblanc case, well, is such that it doesn't come into contact with the lacquer of the pen. So I won't have that problem. But that's my, it's not really a horror story. The pen was not in brand new condition when I bought it. It was secondhand. So it's not that much of an issue, but still. Which just goes to
1: show that, um, because Caran makes pens with lactachine as well. Yes, um, yes. So the Le Man, I think, has lactoseine in it, doesn't
3: it. No, no. The, the the Le Man actually doesn't. Um, I've known people who say that it is. I don't believe it is actually lactachine. the The one that is that definitely is lactachine is the uh, the various the China series. the 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 the, the now unfortunately discontinued China Blue the China white and the China black.
1: So even if you go with the brand that makes the pen that you want, you're not guaranteed to be safe.
3: I think it was actually the shape of the pen. It's hard to, to describe, but I think it was actually the shape of the pen that made it come into contact with... That particular area of stitching, I think, because it was quite a long pen. Um, various pens aren't quite as long. That being said, I actually do have another horror story with a Carondash Lehmann. I'm, I'm told by the Swiss, it's not Lehmann, it's Lehmann.
1: Lehmann, okay.
3: Because um, I went to the I was I was lucky enough to be uh, given a tour of the factory um, back in, I think, 2015. It was a wonderful place to, to visit. But Again, back when I worked in a pen shop, a gentleman came in who was upset about the quality of his his Lehmann ballpoint. And the lacquer had started to melt. The layers of it were coming off. See, I, we thought at first that maybe he tried to clean it with an alcohol-based substance. But then I actually smelled it, and it smelled like cologne. So this was a ballpoint, and I get the feeling that this person had sprayed cologne on himself or deodorant, an alcohol-based deodorant, or a solvent-based deodorant, and it had come in, co- in contact, because he always keeps it in his pocket, according to him. And I reckon it had come into contact with this solvent-based de- the deodorant or cologne, because it smelled very strongly of perfume. It was not a, a solvent smell. But I think that that was actually sort of a pen storage issue. Someone had been storing it in their pocket, very soon after, they had sprayed an alcohol-based substance or solvent-based substance on themselves. So, to those at home, if you are in the habit of using things like perfumes, colognes, deodorants, and stuff like that, keep it away from your pens because I get the feeling most materials don't hold up so well to that, unless they're metal or something like that.
1: Same with watches and jewelry. Of course, keep them away from your perfumes. Yeah,
3: don't 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 pour alcohol on your watches and jewelry.
0: Hmm. So I guess regarding the the claim for his pen, he was insolvent. Uh, uh... Man, I sat here quiet for the past five. Oh, <laughs> Thinking of that. I, was, I was wondering why you had that smug look on <laughs> your face. My gosh!
1: Going back to Max's comment, do we have any advice for Max? Like, what kind of storage solutions would be good in if you're in an environment where there's micro particles of coal in the air?
0: Honestly, uh, just I would advise like. Anything that stays on top of an open area overnight or for long periods of time is going to accumulate this dust, right? If it gets through, so I suppose you have to keep things in drawers and in, you know, you've got to have uh, you've got to have double layers of protection. I would
3: I would probably say something like a like a case, like 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 in a, a one of the the Franklin Christoph ones, so you can just open it, grab a pen out, and close it, so it's not likely to get anything settling on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. In, instead of something like um. Uh, you know, Gail and Leather have that like pen stand. You probably don't want to let anything stand for too long,
3: or even a, a horizontal pen like box that you could open, like like Sharon's Pelican thing. I feel like things might settle in there, even if you briefly open it. So, if, if maybe if you had a, a pen case like a Franklin Christoph or even like like Diana's. Pen fold just so that you could open it, take a pen out, and close it again. So there's very minimal chance that something falls and settles on it.
0: Yeah, you might need a hyperbaric um, writing room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get like um, those air curtains on your windows. Yeah, that yeah stop as, flies. If, as if you're spray painting something. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah it's a tough one. But uh, I believe we have a clip. So, uh, final
1: section. I received an audio clip from Chris Grant from the US. Um, in answer to the questions that we raised on the FPO uh, Facebook page, so here's Chris.
4: Hi, this is Chris Grant, and I'm calling from Virginia, the United States. A lot of the podcast guys, especially when uh, there's wine involved, it's always a fun time. Responding to some of the questions you had posted on Facebook, basically in terms of what I look for in fountain pen storage and carry cases, I look for cases that are well made, made of leather, and with a cloth interior, I'm of the opinion that expensive pens in a cheap case seems like a recipe for disaster. And it took me a while to find a case that I liked, and I ended up settling on the Visconti Dream Touch cases and the now hard-to-find two and three pen case by Nikolai Picadro. Though nothing's perfect, um, I ended up modifying my Visconti cases to add a fabric liner so pens don't rattle around. It's basically a $10 hack, but it seemed to be worth it for me. I've also tried some of the pen envelope-style cases, but I feared the hardliners and elastic bands would eventually create micro-scratches in my pen. And in terms of how many pens I carry around, I typically carry three. Two fountain pens and a rollerball. And as to which pens, it really just depends on the business and personal setting and comes down often to what I'm in the mood for, what I feel like to have in the hands for that day. As for uh, an ideal fountain pen storage carrying solution, I think that's a tough question. For me, I think for pen storage, maybe a cross between a cylinder leather bag with an attached inner silk pen roll, like the Tassia pen rolls. Uh, That might be kind of fun. And in terms of doing anything special to protect my pens, mostly just direct sunlight, since most of my pens are celluloid. So that's really kind of the only thing I worry about. Other than that, I don't take any special precautions. Okay, thanks.
1: Thank you, Chris, for emailing us with your replies to our questions. We really value our listeners' contributions and honestly it's it's great to hear other voices than ours on the podcast <laughs> just for have variety.
0: <laughs> I think the the main thing that uh, seems to be the the run when we're talking about you know precious or uh, particular materials is out of direct sunlight. You know that 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 seems to be the catch-all.
1: Yeah, sunlight is probably the most one of the most damaging if things. If you do one thing, keep it out
0: of direct sunlight
1: and extreme heat.
0: Well, uh, thank you, uh, everyone that wrote into us and uh, shared your your storage solutions and preferences. Um, this is all uh, really useful information, both for us and uh, I think for those of you and uh, maybe you know the the data that we will sell off to uh, the advertising companies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shh, you weren't supposed to include that. Um, oh my God, uh, we're an advertising-free podcast. That's in the brackets, my bad. It's, it's a shame that this is live. Um, but that takes us to our recommendation section uh, at the end of the show. So uh, if it's your first time listening, then this is the part of the show where we recommend things that we like and things that we uh, would like you to experience as well, be they fountain pen related or not. I'll go first for this one. Uh, I recommend uh, if you want to make yourself uh, write more or draw more. Uh, Take a notebook, Uh, I am willing to trust that you probably already have a blank one. Take every page, flip through it, and at the top of every page write a new word because I find it's easier for me to put out meaningless things uh, for me to draw, scribble, for me to write something related if I have an inciting word. So uh, this is kind of like a personal version of our court of the day prompt situation. At the top of every, uh, of every page, uh, just write a word, come up with them, ask your, your friends to come up with them, but write them down is the key thing.
1: There are lots of like, websites that give you like, prompts, that generate prompts.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Or you yeah, can yeah. just, just
3: go through a dictionary and stick your finger in a random page. I think a lot of bands do that. to come Plenty up with of names.
0: ways, plenty of ways. But uh, I, I think writing them down through so that, because you're not going to remember all of them as you go through. So every day when you finish, uh, you know, it may not be every day. It might be a couple days a week, but every time you finish uh, drawing or writing, whatever it is that you're done and you turn to a new page, you've got a new prompt. That's my recommendation. If you want to be a little more, uh, if you want to generate a little more creative output,
3: who would like to go next? I'll go. Um, this is actually a, a recommendation for another podcast. It's something I've been heavily addicted to on my morning and afternoon commutes, and basically every time I get in the car, it's uh, it's a it's podcast, a US-based podcast called Behind the Bastards. They're a really interesting series. It's every episode is a documentary, and the host sort of brings in other guest hosts that are usually comedians or actors or other like a really great diverse cast of of, of, of other people from all walks of life. They're really uh, they're, there's a really great dynamic there. And their, their aim is to describe the worst people in history. And and it's not just like, oh, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, all of that. And, every, of course, everyone wants, you know, certain uh, prominent political figures in the world. But it's the lesser-known ones, or if it's a well-known person, it's certain aspects that you wouldn't really have thought about uh, as to why these people were, you know, bastards, um, people even... Who were the bastards behind the bastards? You know, people who enabled um, yeah. e- enabled tyrants to get into power, or you know, you say uh, for example, a, a, a negligent king who enabled a dictator to to take power, or something like that. Sure,
0: sure, sure. Or some, or someone who is like, uh, you know, someone, someone who I did a primary school uh, a project on, who I later found out was the worst. Uh, it was Thomas Edison. Uh, yeah, so yeah
1: totally the worst he's a big one. yeah
0: yeah i don't he's think they've done word. one on
3: him but they've done electrocuted elephants
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he's, they've, he's they've, a big
3: one. they've done so many really interesting episodes on people you wouldn't really think about in a day like when you when you hear about who's a really big bastard today or even in history everyone's gonna go hitler or stalin or you know today would be current politicians you know but even th- there's some really interesting episodes about things that you never really would have thought about like um Ronald Reagan's stance on HIV AIDS. That's a really interesting thing. And it's not something a lot of people know. People often attack him on his economic policies. But I think that's really interesting to hear about the other bits of his. Or things like um, the colonialist influence on the Andaman Islands. It's, it's very small. You think it's a very small part of human history, but it was very significant. I think we
0: could have kept that sentence off on the colonialist influence.
3: Yeah, <laughs> there, yeah There's yeah. a lot of there's a yeah, lot of yeah. other there's a lot of episodes on certain colonialist areas of influence. There's, there's one on the on the British East India Company. There's one on King Leopold uh, of who's Belgium. Who's the
1: um, Who's the British Prime Minister during World War Two?
3: Uh, um, Churchill? Churchill, they, yeah, he, again, who caused
1: the, the famine yep, in India
3: Yep, yep, Um, uh, they haven't done one on him again Because they don't go through for the mainstream people A lot of people, I think, know that Churchill wasn't as amazing as everyone thinks he was But the, the there are bit...
0: The more obscure the bust, yeah. the, then the better the episode, I suppose Because yeah, it's all yeah. new information Yeah, exactly, and I found that so interesting
2: Sharon, how about you? Um, so I think I've done a recommendation for these guys in a previous episode, but I will put in another one for West Elm because I've just gotten new cushions, which Chuck, die you are casually leaning back on my new cushions. They are Mongolian lamb fur cushions, which are the same as my footstools and they're super soft. I just really like the texture that you can get on Mongolian lamb fur. And it's just – it's that extra curly thing that I really, really like. They're currently on sale at They're West Elm. They're very Al. curly. They're very curly. They're very soft. Um, they feel a bit like Seb. They they do feel a little bit like Seb. They just don't shed like Seb. So it's great. Um they're currently on sale at West Elm, and you can get them in multiple sizes. So uh, I do recommend them.
0: And Sharon, um, so that Sharon's is a West Elm Mongolian lamb pillow cushion cover. Cushion cover. Does it taste
3: right. like Mongolian
0: lamb or? It
2: kind of smells like Mongolian lamb. Like it's got a very distinct smell. That's really to weird. It. It's got it's got a smell to it.
0: And all right, uh, day uh, you can take out. Take you're really out you're really
1: stroking it, aren't you, Chuck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is very fluffy, I will say. He's it's his nose in It's extremely fluffy.
1: Um, my recommendation is who among us is a Trekkie?
0: Uh, I should be. Not me. But I'm not. Very specific to Deep Space Nine. All
1: right. So, none of you guys have watched Star Trek Discovery. I'm going to recommend Star Trek Discovery. In Australia, it's available on Netflix. I think the week that it's aired in the U.S., in the U.S., Um, access is a little bit more complicated because I think you need CBS access I'm not sure if it's available on Netflix in the US but anyway if you're in Australia if you have a Netflix account you can watch it they just finished the second season I think a couple of weeks ago Um, I was really quite uh, let's say cynical when it first aired last year As I said, we just finished the second season. It was a Brian Fuller production to begin with. There was some production problems between the first and second seasons where Brian Fuller left and some Alex Kurtzman, the guy behind the Warner Brothers Dark Universe, took over. So... Yeah, the uh, I'm eyebrows. Not sure, I'm
0: not sure that I can. Uh, your
1: eyebrows tell me that's not exactly uh, a recommendation. Verbally,
0: physically <laughs> convey, but but this particular.
1: But this particular Star Trek series, I think, is really interesting. It has the production values. It has the incredible cast. It has Michelle Yao in it. Mm-hmm. It has um, Jason Isaacs. I don't know if you know him. I do know Jason Isaacs. Is um, wasn't he Lucius Malfoy? He was.
0: He's also he's also in the O A, which is uh. An, an, I
1: don't an, care. He was
2: Lucius it's Malfoy. It's an anti-wreck
0: for me, but.
1: So it's set before the Star Trek: The Original Series. Yeah. So pre Kirk, um, when the Enterprise was captained by who's the guy who dies in uh, Spoiler.
0: Spoiler alert! Jeez. <laughs> That I don't have. It's, it's clearly Dumbledore.
1: Anyway, um, I think it has this really great diverse cast. Um, the lead is a black woman, um, and she remains the lead over the uh, the multiple films. Her uh, love interest is played by I think a Pakistani British actor, and everyone on the cast is really really good. It's I don't I don't know. I, I was never quite a Trekkie, but um, this production is. Very fun for someone who is not exactly a Trekkie.
0: Yeah. So you, you've, you've found the right uh, entry point.
1: So I was a Brian Fuller devotee, which is my entry point to Star Trek. Um, and he he's a very, and, and of course I'm a huge Michelle Yao fan. Mm-hmm. So she is my entry point as well. And there is going to be a spin off show with Michelle Yao on CBS Access. Sure um so I'm really looking forward to that as well
3: I I suppose one of the reasons I'm not a Trekkie is because I've kind of like avoided it because I know that I would be absolutely obsessed with it the way I was obsessed with with Doctor Who and Stargate and all of those other shows it's like it's it's another addiction I don't need but one day I'll get
0: it I went on a date recently with someone that was like oh um I don't know if you remember that that show uh, uh Farscape I'm like Excuse Love me, us, yeah, and and that that went on for another half hour, but um, okay, so Star Trek Discovery, yeah, great show! All right, well, thank you everyone for that episode about storage. Um, and before we ship off, uh, thank you, Tab, for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much, Sharon, glorious thank benefactor. Thank you, Diana,
1: always a pleasure, Chuck.
0: Uh, as always, uh, my name is Chuck, and until next time, listeners, ink well. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Chuck Montano, Sharon Zah, and Diana Dye. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening.